0: Welcome to Classics Out Loud. The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery. Chapter 19 Of course, the Stirlings had not left the poor maniac alone all this time, or refrained from heroic efforts to rescue her perishing soul and reputation. Uncle James, whose lawyer had helped him as little as his doctor, came one day and, finding Valancy alone in her kitchen, as he supposed, gave her a terrible talking to, told her she was breaking her mother's heart and disgracing her family. But why, said Valancy, not ceasing to scour her porridge pot decently, I'm doing honest work for honest pay. What is there in that that is disgraceful? Don't quibble, Valancy, said Uncle James solemnly. This is no fit place for you to be, and you know it. Why, I'm told that jailbird, Snaith, is hanging around here every evening. Not every evening, said Valency reflectively. No, not quite every evening. It's. it's insufferable, said Uncle James violently. Valency, you must come home. We won't judge you harshly. I assure you we won't. We will overlook all this. Thank you, said Valency. Have you no sense of shame? demanded Uncle James. Oh, yes. But the things I am ashamed of are not the things you are ashamed of. Alice proceeded to rinse her dishcloth meticulously. Still was Uncle James patient. He gripped the sides of his chair and ground his teeth. We know your mind isn't just right. We'll make allowances. But you must come home. You shall not stay here with that drunken, blasphemous old scoundrel. Were you by any chance referring to me, Mr. Sterling? demanded Roaring Abel suddenly appearing in the doorway of the back veranda where he had been smoking a peaceful pipe and listening to old Jim Sterling's tirade with huge enjoyment. His red beard fairly bristled with indignation and his huge eyebrows quivered. But cowardice was not among James Sterling's shortcomings. I was, and furthermore, I want to tell you that you have acted an iniquitous part in luring this weak and unfortunate girl away from her home and friends, and I will have you punished for it yet. James Stirling got no further. Roaring Abel crossed the kitchen at a bound, caught him by his collar and his trousers, and hurled him through the doorway and over the garden paling with as little apparent effort as he might have employed in whisking a troublesome kitten out of the way. "'The next time you come back here,' he bellowed, "'I'll throw you through the window, "'and all the better for the window is shut. "'Coming here, thinking yourself God to put the world to rights.'" Valancey candidly and unashamedly owned to herself that she had seen few more satisfying sights than Uncle James' tails flying out into the asparagus bed. She had once been afraid of this man's judgment. Now she saw clearly he was nothing but a rather stupid little village tin god. Roaring Abel turned with his great broad laugh. He'll think of that for years when he wakes up in the night. The Almighty made a mistake in making so many sterlings, but since they're made, we've got to reckon with them. Too many to kill out, but if they come here bothering you, I'll shoot them off before a cat could lick its ear. The next time, they sent Dr. Staling. Surely Roaring Abel would not throw him into asparagus beds. Dr. Staling was not so sure of this, and had no great liking for the task. He did not believe Valency Staling was out of her mind. She had always been queer. He, Dr. Staling, had never been able to understand her. Therefore, beyond doubt, she was queer. She was only just a little queerer than usual now, and Dr. Staling had his own reasons for disliking Roaring Abel. When Dr. Staling had first come to Deerwood, he had had a liking for long hikes around Mastawas and Muskoka. On one of these occasions, he had got lost and after much wandering, had fallen in with Roaring Abel with his gun over his shoulder. Dr. Staling had contrived to ask his question in about the most idiotic manner possible. He said, Can you tell me where I'm going? ''How the devil should I know where you're going, Gosling?'' retorted Abel contemptuously. Dr. Staling was so enraged that he could not speak for a moment or two, and in that moment Abel had disappeared in the woods. Dr. Staling had eventually found his way home, but he had never hankered to encounter Abel Gay again. Nevertheless, he came now to do his duty. Valency greeted him with a sinking heart. She had to own to herself that she was terribly afraid of Dr. Staling still. She had a miserable conviction that if he shook his long, bony finger at her and told her to go home, she dared not disobey. Mr Gay, said Dr Staling politely and condescendingly, may I see Miss Sterling alone for a few minutes? Roaring Abel was a little drunk, just drunk enough to be excessively polite and very cunning. He had been on the point of going away when Dr Staling arrived, but now he sat down in a corner of the parlour and folded his arms. No, no, mister, he said solemnly, that wouldn't do, wouldn't do at all. I've got the reputation of my household to keep up. I've got the chaperone, this young lady. Can't have any sparkin' going on here behind my back. Outraged Dr Staling looked so terrible that Valency wondered how Abel could endure his aspect. But Abel was not worried at all. Do you know anything about it, anyway? he asked genially. About what? Sparking, said Abel coolly. Poor Dr. Sterling, who had never been married because he believed in a celibate clergy, would not notice this ribald remark. He turned his back on Abel and addressed himself to Valency. Miss Sterling, I am here in response to your mother's wishes. She begged me to come. I am charged with some messages from her. Will you? He wagged his finger. Will you hear them? Yes, said Valency faintly, eyeing the forefinger. It had a hypnotic effect on her. The first is this. "'If you will leave this... this... house,' interjected Roaring Abel. H. O. U S E. "'Troubled with an impediment in your speech, ain't you, mister? "'This place and return to your home, "'Mr James Sterling will himself pay for a good nurse "'to come here and wait on Miss Gay.' "'Back of her terror, Valancy smiled in secret. "'Uncle James must indeed regard the matter as desperate, "'when he would loosen his purse strings like that. "'At any rate... Her clan no longer despised her or ignored her. She had become important to them. That's my business, mister, said Abel. Miss Sterling can go if she pleases, or stay if she pleases. I made a fair bargain with her, and she's free to conclude it when she likes. She gives me meals that stick to my ribs. She don't forget to put salt in the porridge. She never slams doors, and when she has nothing to say, she don't talk. That's uncanny in a woman, you know, mister. I'm satisfied. If she isn't, she's free to go, but no woman comes here in Jim Sterling's pay. If anyone does, Abel's voice was uncannily bland and polite, I'll spatter the road with her brains. Tell him that with a-gay's compliments. Dr. Staling, a nurse is not what Sissy needs, said Valancy earnestly. She isn't so ill as to need that, yet. What she wants is companionship, somebody she knows and likes, just to live with her. You can understand that, I'm sure. I understand that your motive is quite, ahem, commendable. Dr. Staling felt that he was very broad-minded indeed, especially as in his secret soul he did not believe Alice's motive was commendable. He hadn't the least idea what she was up to, but he was sure her motive was not commendable. When he could not understand a thing, he straightway condemned it. Simplicity itself. But your first duty is to your mother. She needs you. She implores you to come home. She will forgive everything if you will only come home. That's a pretty little thought, remarked Abel meditatively, as he ground some tobacco up in his hand. Dr. Sterling ignored him. She entreats, but I, Miss Sterling, Dr. Sterling remembered that he was an ambassador of Jehovah, I command, as your pastor and spiritual guide, I command you to come home with me this very day. Get your hat and coat and come now. Dr. Staling shook his finger at Valancy. Before that pitiless finger, she drooped and wilted visibly. She's giving in, thought Roaring Abel. She'll go with him. Beats all the power of these preacher fellows have over women. Valancy was on the point of obeying Dr. Staling. She must go home with him and give up. She would lapse back to Doss Sterling again and for her few remaining days or weeks be the cowed, futile creature she had always been. It was her fate typified by that relentless, uplifted forefinger. She could no more escape from it than roaring able from his predestination. She eyed it as the fascinated bird eyes the snake. Another moment. Fear is the original sin. Suddenly a still, small voice, away back, back, back of Valancy's consciousness. Almost all the evil in the world has its origin in the fact that someone is afraid of something. Valancy stood up. She was still in the clutches of fear, but her soul was her own again. She would not be false to that inner voice. Dr. Staling, she said slowly, I do not at present owe any duty to my mother. She is quite well. She has all the assistance and companionship she requires. She does not need me at all. I am needed here. I am going to stay here. There's spunk for you, said Roaring Abel admiringly. Dr. Sterling dropped his forefinger. One could not keep shaking a finger forever. Miss Sterling, is there nothing that can influence you? Do you remember your childhood days? Perfectly, and hate them. Do you realise what people will say, what they are saying? I can imagine it, said Valancy, with a shrug of her shoulders. She was suddenly free of fear again. I haven't listened to the gossip of Deerwood tea parties and sewing circles twenty years for nothing. But, Dr. Staling, it doesn't matter in the least to me what they say. Not in the least. Dr. Staling went away then. A girl who cared nothing for public opinion. Over whom sacred family ties had no restraining influence. Who hated her childhood memories. Then, cousin Georgiana came. On her own initiative, for nobody would have thought it worthwhile to send her. She found Valancy alone, weeding the little vegetable garden she had planted, and she made all the platitudinous pleas she could think of. Valancy heard her patiently. Cousin Georgiana wasn't such a bad old soul. Then she said, And now that you've got that all out of your system, Cousin Georgiana, can you tell me how to make creamed codfish so they will not be as thick as porridge and as salt as the Dead Sea? We'll just have to wait, said Uncle Benjamin. After all, Sissy Gay can't live long. Dr. Marsh tells me she may drop off any day. Mrs. Frederick wept. It would really have been so much easier to bear if Alansi had died. She could have been mourning then.